lots and lots of spoilers. In the words of a master thespian, some days you just can't get rid of a bomb, and some days you just can't get rid of a ring either. Can I get a little help here? Help? I really need somebody. Oh, yeah. Anybody? Help? No, not just anybody. Oh, okay. No, really, Max, I need some help. Yeah, I yeah. can't do this oh. show by myself. Well, <laughs> I, I can, but that would involve a second pair of socks, and no one's got time for that. Right. Wait, are you feeling down? No. So you don't appreciate me being around? Well, I, in general, I suppose to do at this particular second, <sighs> I'm not sure. Well, get your damn feet back on the ground and get on with it. Oh, right. Show. Welcome to the first Hingle Dingle episode of our wacky packy look at a band of four guys that made a few records some years ago that most people have forgotten. Ladies and gentlemen, The Beatles is our new series. And right here, right here on our show. On our show. All yeah. four of them, and two of them are not in the fire grate. Oh, too soon. Uh, it's our new series, and we're going to take a look at movies that star them, that are about them, and are influenced by them, or as we say in the industry, Beatles adjacent. The mop-headed Manx on my left, also known as the quiet one, if he knows what's good for him, is Max 16th Beatle Levine. Sing us a refrain, Max. No, I don't think I will. I don't see why I should have to perform like some sort of trained monkey. I'm not, not a trained monkey. Yoko, help me! <laughs> that was the worst John Lennon ever! It was flawless! <laughs> flawless! And you were the monkey. I'm the host, you are the monkey. It's that week. I... I am the engineer that makes the tape go round and round. 44th Beetle twice <laughs> removed, marketing maven Mike Luce. Together, we are not Wild Stallions. And also together, <laughs> we are going to take a look at your answers to our poll question. Poll question. Dear gods, there were a lot of answers to last week's poll Ooh, question. Boy, we people like this one. Yeah, we'd better get to it or there's not going to be any time left for the Beatles. Nope. We asked... Is there such a thing as a perfect movie musical where all the songs hit the mark, where there are no bad tunes at all? And boy, howdy, did you have opinions? Oh. Ed Shield said, Streets of Fire. Wait a minute, that's not a musical. Uh, that's oh. just one of my coworkers who is not going to rest until I watch that movie, because apparently it's a thing. But anyway, moving on to mm -hmm. people who actually know what a musical is. <laughs> Adam Mark was next with, quote, West Side Story, Sound of Music, Chicago, Cabaret, The Prom. Yes, I include this one, the, end quote. The Prom? I don't know. Uh, but it's a whole passel of good ones, so thanks, Adam. Yeah. I gotta take a deep breath for this one. Geneva Brunetti seems to really like musicals. Hmm. She offered, quote, Royal Tenenbaums. What? What? That's not a musical? I didn't think so either. She's talking about, is she, is she talking about soundtracks? Because that I, does have maybe? a very cool soundtrack. But uh, Wicker Park? Not the uh, bees! Oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, incredibly biased. Park man. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm incredibly biased for both of those movies, but I love their sound. Not musicals, but great soundtracks that uh, hit the mark. Uh, there you okay. go. Okay. Hamilton should be worth mentioning. The fact that it was four shows edited together qualifies it as a movie, right? I... Maybe biased from my experience filming and editing stage shows. Chicago did some really cool things with their musical numbers. I kind of loved it. I should watch Chicago again. Rent was almost on this list. The film songs were all fantastic, save for Living in America, which just didn't land in the film version for me, end quote. I like okay. James Brown's version. 
Oh, I wonder if she missed any. Oh, wait, she had a late edition. Ah. Quote, can we count Disney movies? Encanto slaps. I assume that's good, although with uh, recent Oscar happenings, I Ooh. might want to change the... Hey too soon? Mm. Too soon. Uh, she says, Encanto slaps, and I haven't seen it in theaters. I haven't even seen it in theaters, ah. end quote. I think we can indeed count Disney films. Sure. Thank you, Geneva. I mean, how could we not? Yeah, I mean, I think a number, number of other people bring them up, too. Oh, yes. Chrissy Becker snuck some in between other comments. Quote, if we're counting Disney, there you go, then Beauty and the Beast, which is her absolute favorite movie, uh, uh, animated, not the l awful live action. Thank you. And Tangled are some of the best musicals. Princess and the Frog, too, end quote. Oh, there you go. Thanks, Chrissy. Hmm. In one of many votes, we have Tim Potter starting us off with 100% of the songs hit the mark. That is a tough goal to hit, but in my opinion, Little Shop of Horrors comes very close. Oh, end quote. Totally agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Max and I first saw that in England. Yeah. That's a whole other country. It is. Um, which it's always strange seeing American accents and American music yeah, on stage. Yeah. But eh, that's right. Steve Keltner had even more to say than Geneva. <laughs> oh. Quote, Beauty and the Beast animated is actually an operetta. You don't need the dialogue. I also like the live action version, despite Emma Watts's singing voice not being up to Paige O'Hara's, in part because of the added songs, some of which are every bit as good as the original E.G. Evermore, which wrecks me every time. 1776. The visuals uh -huh. are a little too obviously filming a stage show, but the songs are uh -huh. epic and John Adams is a role I would kill to play. There's uh -huh. a new version coming out at the ART soon, made up entirely of racially diverse queer trans female cast, and I'm looking forward to it. Little Shop of Horrors, the musical is delightful. The Disney Hercules, not a miss there, and using gospel music was inspired. Mm -hmm. Chicago was very good, not perfect. I prefer D. Snyder's take. Yes, that D. Snyder on Razzle Twist, Dazzle. Twisted Sister? To really? the much slower gear, a Richard Gere version in the movie. But beautiful staging. I mm, okay, did not know that. Sure. Uh, Disney's Aladdin. No complaints about that music, and the delivery is great. Well, I have to, I, I'm cutting in here. Do you mean the pre cut version or the <laughs> edited version we all now know because nobody has a copy of the original? Yeah. Um, he says it holds up surprisingly well on stage two. If you have a good enough genie, we saw it on Broadway and he was wonderful. Encanto has been mentioned and it's very good. Music is much tougher than many of these others. Uh, the only one that is really easy to sing along with is We Don't Talk About Bruno. I agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I actually prefer Surface Pressure, but it's tricky. Yeah, wow. me too. Mm -hmm. Set all that to music, why don't you? Thank you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, Dave, Dave is not a fan. Quote, in my world, no. Oh. Musicals are trite and generally have one or two good numbers at best. Since there is no perfection outside film, then none on film. That said, I do love me some Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Top mm -hmm. hat, shall we dance, and swing time. These are a pleasure, though not because of the music. Yeah. Also, of course, I like, I like movies that have real musicians doing their thing. So to have and have not is a favorite because of Hoagie Carmichael, even though Lauren Bacall's singing is not exceptional, end quote. I mean, personally, my favorite Hoagie Carmichael appearance is on the Flintstones. Wait, uh, wasn't he Hoagie Carmichael then? Maybe, but it was still him. Yeah, it was. Well, thanks anyway, Dave. We always appreciate honesty. Dr. Professor Rebecca Pelkey asked, quote, does Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog count, end quote, it totally it does. It completely and utterly does. Thanks, Becca. 
Nick Hoffman proffered, quote, Little Shop of Horrors. Seth, uh. Seth and I saw the live show off-Broadway. Ellen Green and the chorus girls were all there. One thing, see the director's cut with the original ending, end quote. Yeah, there's more Little Shop, and it won't be the last. Uh, what he's talking about is... Um, the movie version with Rick oh, yeah. Moranis, um, they kind of decided that the original ending was a bit of a downer. downer. Spoiler, Which it is. <laughs> uh, the plant wins, we all die. Yeah. Uh, so they filmed some sort of heroic extra ending that they sort yeah. of tacked on. Yeah, doesn't work. Thanks, Nick. Harry McCracken offered two, quote, Pinocchio and 42nd Street, end quote. Well, good choices, Harry. Val Coons, who is who? totally my sister, gives us, quote, I can't believe no one said sister. singing in the rain yet. Another oh. one I'm very fond of, Meet Me in St. Louis. And yes, Sound of Music. These three are faultless music-wise, in my opinion. End quote. Sound of Music. I'm actually surprised it took that long to get to that one. Yeah. Well, no, somebody mentioned it right at the beginning in a, in a string with a oh, bunch yeah, of them. But again, this was huge, and we're, uh, yeah. we're not done. We have another nope. page to go. Strap uh, thanks, in. Val. Yeah. Regan McStravick posted, quote, I'm not sure I would necessarily call it perfect musical, but Hair is a very rare example of a Broadway show that was made into a film, and the film is better than the stage play, end quote. I would agree with that. I forgot about that one. Thanks, Regan. Is there a nude scene in that one? No, uh, kind of, but not the same one. Oh, because they're supposed to be in the stage show. I know that. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, that's actually part of one of the songs. There's a bit of a nude scene, but it just sort of happens. Ooh, nude scene. Richard Tatum is next with, quote, Singing in the Rain for sure. I would argue Chicago too, end quote. Well, there you go. Thanks, Richard. Julie O'Malley brings up an obscure one. Pennies from Heaven. Christopher oh, Walken boy. singing Let's Misbehave was totally worth the price of admission, end that quote. That is a very cool number. It's a creepy musical though never seen it i know it's a steve martin and bernadette yeah. peters something like that yeah yeah thanks julie i think she also might be a first timer there but ah welcome jamie kleinert has a bit of a list as well quote i have to agree with the vote for dr horrible and while i don't remember it although i know i've seen it repo the genetic opera might qualify in this category max no <laughs> No, it would not. You're wrong. I'm sorry. I know it's taste, but you are wrong. I'm sure you're a wonderful person. Uh, you're says, wrong, wrongy, wrongo. She says it's worth watching at least once to be certain. I like the remake of West Side Story for a lot of reasons, but there's also oh. a lot of reasons I don't care for it as well. I can only watch it in short bits. I think my final answer outside of Dr. Horrible would actually have to be Enchanted. It knows what it is, and it oh. doesn't play around. The music works well with the story and the feel of the movie, and it, like a lot of the others listed above, is presented in a way that cannot be done on stage, end quote. Dr. Horrible does seem to be a favorite. Yeah, I do have to say with Enchanted, that's kind of cheating, because I think there are only like three songs in it. Ah, Eh, that's fine. Listen, Jamie's a music teacher. I abide by her okay, decisions, well, yeah, except well, we maybe for the uh, genetic opera. Yeah, but. yeah, I, I gotta say. See our entire episode on Repo, the genetic opera. Back at the website, we have The Snowman. Snowman. Who is not a general fan. Quote, I am not a fan of musicals and feel especially more recent ones just don't work. However, I am a huge fan of the Astaire Rogers series of musicals and pretty much all of them are close to perfect. The songs, the ridiculous storylines, and incredible dancing just tickle me every time. Many Disney animated musicals are pretty swell too, but the old style Astaire Rogers are just in a different realm for me, end quote. Fair enough. Thanks, Snowy. His yep. <laughs> <a> new nickname. <laughs> And lastly, also from the website, and uh, again, take a deep breath, Haley submitted, quote, I've been thinking over this poll question for days, and I'm not sure I have an answer. 
Perfect is such a high standard. I actually dearly love quite a lot of musicals, but even the ones that are special to me always have that one song that bores me or the bit that I don't think works. Mm. The Sound of Music is one of my childhood favorites, but honestly, I only like the first half. Once you hit Climb Every Mountain, the music drops off dramatically, or drastically. Oh. I remember we had the film on a two VHS set, and that was the cutoff point. Most of the time, I'd only watch the first tape. Singing in the Rain is also a film that I'll watch over and over, but the You Were Meant for Me and Broadway melody numbers really do bring the pacing of the story to complete halt. Into the Woods is an amazing show, but the film adaptation was horribly disappointing. I really think Chicago is the best film adaptation of a musical that takes advantage of the medium to do something that stage musical can't. The framing of the musical numbers are as fantasy juxtaposed with the harsh realities of the prison the characters actually inhabit works well, and in my opinion, the music and pacing are actually consistent the whole way through, end quote. Well, thank you for the well-thought-out stuff, Haley. We just disagree in Chicago. I wasn't a fan, but that's fine. Um, I also know for a fact that she is not a fan of one of mine, but we'll get to that because I want to ask you, Max, yeah. what about you? You asked the question, what are your favorite movie, remember, no stage shows, yep. movie musicals where there's not a bad song in the bunch? The big one for me has always been My Fair Lady. Okay. Because that one, to me, every song, it just knocks it out of the park, and that is very rare. Yeah. Uh. Guys and Dolls comes close. It, it, it's my time, the movie, my time of day is, I don't know, that one's not, not a favorite. But, uh, yeah, what about you? That, okay, those, just those two? Those, yeah, I don't find a lot of perfect musicals. There's always one, that, to me, most of them have at least one song that drags. A lot of, unfortunately, the romantic duets get kind of dull or sappy. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Little Shop as an easy yeah. choice because yeah. I honestly, I would sing every, I have sung every song in that thing, including the ones by Ellen Green. And yes, I will sing them falsetto. No, nobody wants to hear them, but it's still fun. The songs are all fun. The one that's just kind of creepy is the dentist song, but. Oh, um, I love that. I love being the be a dentist. I it's very easy to sing. It's one of the least vocally challenging, Yeah, but it's lyrically wonderful. But there really is just not a down spot in that whole musical it's a lot of fun both on stage and the movie version with uh rick moranis ellen green and um steve martin yep um i like moulin rouge a lot a lot of people there was a big discussion on our um our uh, Facebook page about do jukebox musical count ah. um, for those who don't know singing in the rain is a jukebox jukebox musical. It did yes, not it exist. Is. It was just a bunch of songs that whoever it was Warner brothers happened yeah. to have in their corral of, of hits and they decided to string them together. If you look at the songs from singing in the rain, they really do not go together, especially no. got to dance. Yeah. That yeah. Whole sequence, or, or be a clown. I mean, it, which is, which I love. That's my favorite part of the movie, right. but it's like, where did this come from? And somehow it works. Yeah. Singing yeah. in the Rain is a classic movie for a good reason. Those songs do not really go together. Nope. If you listen to them, they do not tell a story at all, but it still works. But one that I'm surprised was not on anybody's list that I love all the songs on, Rocky Horror. Oh. I have sung every song in Rocky Horror. There are some I like oh. better than others, but I like all of the songs in Rocky Horror. Um, lastly, of course, the version of Hamlet from Gilligan's Island. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's not fair. That's combining Carmen. I mean, how can you get past that? If we can do jukebox musicals, we can do that. 
I ask to be or not, or to, not to be. be. That is room. the question that I ask of me. Anyway, so uh, yeah, that's movie musicals. Neither a borrower nor a lender. Now it's going to be going through my head. Thank you. Good. Thank you so bloody much. As always, thanks tons for the answers. We always enjoy your input and your broadening Thank you so of much. otherwise unbroad experiences. Our very narrow, narrow little minds. Yes, tiny little, yes, petite. But anyway, this week we we are asking a, in a, something in a new weird twist. We are asking huh? a new question. Ooh. What subject matter do you think is most lacking in the movie theaters today? Or what area do you think Hollywood hasn't explored enough? I'm leaving a big open question for Max next week if he wants to take the bait, but that's up to him. So again, what do you think Hollywood has not explored enough? Could it be botany? Button collecting? I don't know. Let us know, and we'll quote Talent? you. Talent? <laughs> that was painful. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Let us know, and we'll quote you on the show and add a nice big fat pile of bumpy bucks to your account with which you can have a big pile of bumpy bucks. And don't forget the cereal. But for now, back to the Beatles. The show. Trivia. Budget. It's so nice to be able to report these again. <laughs> 1.5 million. Hey, you know what? I haven't told you what the film is. In case you didn't know, oh. the film this week is, in fact, <laughs> Help. Help. <laughs> help. So, Help's budget. $1.5 million. Get, take a guess Ooh. of a take, Mac. So you're telling me it was over one million dollars. Yes. Uh, the take, um, I don't know, no clue. I'm going to guess it's the take of the time, as yeah. opposed to like since then, because it's been, what, 57 years? Yeah, um, what was it, I don't know, five, eight million? Twelve. Oh, wow. So um, kind of um, kind of did okay. In case you were wondering, that swimmer who shows up twice to ask the way to the White Cliffs of Dover is not some forgotten Olympic swimmer. It was the Beatles road manager, Mal Evans. <laughs> yeah, I had forgotten that. I remember quoting that for years. We would just suddenly go, White Cliffs of Dover, and we'd all point in random directions. Hmm, which is, And I remember it being funnier. Anyway. Oh, we'll get to that. <clears throat> One might wonder why those specific locations were chosen for backdrops to the intricate plot. Turns out the Alps and the Bahamas were chosen by the Beatles themselves for the simple reason that they had never been there before. It didn't mm. hurt that the Bahamas are a British tax shelter, too. That would work. Now, Max, this, this one's going to surprise you. <laughs> Seems a bit of the weedly deedly stuck its way into some of the lads, oh, especially Paul that. and Ringo. When John shouts, quote, it's a fiendish thingy, run Ringo, end quote. Those two didn't stop till they were well over the next hill. <laughs> Being a new experience for the boys, it's also a reason that many of their lines don't sound quite right or are in fact wrong. <laughs> so you're saying they did a lot of the movies stoned? Uh, apparently they were all quoted as saying that, yes. Oh dear. Yeah, that, that, yeah. yeah quite honestly if you watch the per the and i use the term loosely performances <laughs> you that makes that fits very very neatly yeah not a favorite film of theirs the beatles reportedly quote felt like extras in our own film end quote john lennon was quoted as saying quote i realize looking back how advanced it was it was a precursor to the batman pow wow on tv that kind of stuff but director richard lester never explained it to us Partly, maybe, because we hadn't spent a lot of time together between A Hard Day's Night and Help, and partly because we were smoking marijuana for breakfast <laughs> during that period. 
Nobody Marijuana. <laughs> it's not just for breakfast anymore. No, with vitamins. <laughs> uh, try nobody... it with your bumpy pucks. <laughs> Yeah, bumpy bucks now with pot. Yeah, that'll sell. <laughs> Nobody could communicate with us. It was all glazed eyes and giggling all the time in our own <laughs> world. It's like doing nothing most of the time, but still having to rise at 7 a.m. So we became bored, end quote. And there's nothing worse than a bored beetle. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because well, nothing is beetle proof. <laughs> original title of the film. Do you know this? I do not. And apparently this was the title up until literally, uh, I think it was like a week before the film came out, at which point they, they named it Help and wrote a song to go with it. Uh, the original, oh. original title of the film was Eight Arms to Hold You. Oh, okay. Because there's four Beatles and there's... Yeah, uh, and also like, the statue of Kali has eight arms. I think she has six. Oh, I thought it was eight. Okay. But anyway, this is only the second Beatles movie ever. Can you believe it? Hard to believe. <laughs> what was the first? Hard Day's Night. Oh, it was the first. I couldn't yep. remember which came out first. Same director, too. Curling! It's a real <laughs> thing. Though American audiences know it's just some <laughs> made-up goofball game. A silly It event. is! I don't care what they say in the Olympics. It's made up. I think Canada made this up just to mess with us. Um, it is actually true that Americans seeing this film thought it was made up and not a, just totally a joke. Uh, there's one point where Ringo gets tossed off a boat and exclaims, I can't swim. He's not kidding. He can't. Oh, dear. <laughs> they knew that oh. ahead of time, but th yeah, he can't swim. In a total reverse of how things are done today, the distribution company, United Artists, isn't mentioned at all, beginning or end of this film. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I wish they'd uh, Hollywood would take note of this. <laughs> yeah, we don't really need to see 11 different production company logos at the beginning of the film, many of which look like little mini films themselves yeah. now. Uh, Amazon, we're looking right at you. Seriously, right, right in your face. Director Richard Lester directed this and the previous Beatle film, A Hard Day's Night. The other films in his career include A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, The Three Musketeers, Oof. The Four Musketeers, Robin and Marion, Butch and Sundance, The Early Days, and Oof. Superman's Two and Three. The two huh, big... He's very hit or miss. Yeah. The two biggest influences on this and the Beatles' on-screen humor were, do you have any idea? Marijuana? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but, as you well know, the correct term is weedly deedly. Weedly deedly, uh, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, the Marx Brothers, in particular the film uh. Duck Soup, and an old British radio-turned-TV show, The Goon Show. Oh... Peter Sellers was also an influence and asked to join the film, but um, didn't fancy playing second fiddle to the Beatles. <laughs> well. Which I can probably understand. Kind of get. I mean, if you go to see a Beatles movie, you just want to see the Beatles. Yeah. For reasons I cannot in any way comprehend, there was a novelization of this movie written. What? Speaking of which, <laughs> unless Max has some more trivia, we can move on to the plot. Max, do you have any more trivia? Yes, there was a novelization. Uh, no, I don't know why. I, I just got one. Apparently, um, Paul McCartney used to drive the director, Richard Lester, crazy because he was wandering around all the time humming this oh, um, yeah. melody for a song he called Scrambled Eggs right. that he was writing during the movie. And at the end, he did write it, except it has a very different title. Mike, you know what it is. Uh, I remembered, but I think I forgot yesterday. That said, it was yesterday. <laughs> Originally going to be called Scrambled Eggs. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah. Or, or it might have just been his sort of Blue Harvest working title. I don't know. 
you know, I've actually been watching some documentaries on various songwriters and stuff like that. And a lot of times they get the tune and then they just throw words in just to, to fit the meter, just to see how it would sing. Yeah. And you get things like that where it's like uh, Norwegian Wood. I forget what that I know it was originally Knowing She Would, which the the, yeah. uh, the producers over at Parlophone or whoever said, um, no, <laughs> you, uh, you can't sing about a, a sure thing on a date. Yeah, uh, no. We can't have that. But yeah, sometimes they just throw stuff in until they figure out what the song's going to be about. So, But now, the plot. The plot. The four lads from Liverpool are at the center of a nefarious plot. Scheme. Pie. All of those are acceptable answers. Seems there's a cult of Kali-worshipping people from the Orient... <laughs> and they are in search of their next human sacrifice. The one they had seems to have given away the magic ring, which must be present or the sacrifice will not be accepted. The young woman chosen seems to have given the bauble to one Ringo star. He simply wandered off with his three pals who are planning a nice little go to sleep at their connected homes somewhere in London. But soon the cult is after them, stopping at nothing to get their hands on the ring and Ringo so that he might be sacrificed for something. <laughs> In an attempt to get the ring removed, the mop tops stop at Scotland Yard, a jeweler's, and a mad scientist's. None can help, but the scientist and his sidekick, totally not Veruca Salt's dad, decide that somehow <laughs> owning the ring will allow them to rule the world. Rule the world. Sorry, I couldn't help Thank it. you, Simon. And so they and the cult chase the Beatles all over England, the Austrian Alps, and the Bahamas while the boys chime in every 20 minutes with another Beatles hit. Will Ringo have to sacrifice one of his favorite fingers, or worse? Will the cult finally get their hands on the ring and the wearer at the same time? Will the mad scientist get the ring and use it to do mad sciencey things? You know, as well as we do, help. The lowdown. So, Max. Yeah. Can you? I, I'm guessing you saw it on TV at some point. Do you remember how old you might have been when you first saw this movie? I think I first saw it at the Harvard Square in a double feature with A Hard Day's Night. Oh, oh! So you actually saw it on the big screen? I did. Wow. So how? Old yeah, did you I guess was, how old might uh, have been? Was that high school or early? Uh, I think it was a little earlier. I think it was junior high. Did you see it with Dave? I don't remember. I actually think I might have seen it with my family. Oh. Because my parents were both huge Beatles fans. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, my mother used to play me the Beatles all the time. Hmm. And uh, do you remember your reaction at that time? Well, we'll talk about Most, your reaction now yeah. later. Mostly, I was confused. <laughs> well, I you know this is in in a way this movie is kind of ahead of its time. It's basically like a a ninety minute music video. In some ways, it very in much some is. ways. Yeah, yeah. I think so it's also I, fair to it's safe to say that this movie is both seasons of the Monkees TV show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I kept thinking of, wow, I really see where the Monkees got all their stuff. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I swear, I forget who it was uh, who created the Monkees. Um, I keep thinking it's Don, Don Kirshner. I think it was Don Kirshner. Was um, it? I hmm. think so. And basically, this movie, plus the, you know, giant piles of cash... I'm sure what inspired him to go, yeah. I can copy that. Yep. Because let's face it, that's exactly what this is. Every episode of the Monkeys TV show has the sped up things. Quite honestly, the British humor, it's not even, a, it's definitely not American yeah. humor. And they were obviously four young lads in a band living a wacky. They even called them the prefab four. Yeah. And the funny part was that 
the real the monkeys didn't stand for that very long and actually eventually proved that not only could they learn to play and play their instruments they could actually write some pretty cool songs on their own without the and they could sing yeah but um but anyway yeah so yeah. this is this is and also as he said uh john lennon said this kind of helps form that batman wap pow kind of Sort that of kind thing. of zany kind. I always associated that kind of humor more with British movies of the '60s, but you know, there's elements like the Avengers in it. Am I wrong? Or a couple of times, don't do we hear the James Bond theme? We as close as we can because United yeah. Artists, of course, was also the company yeah. that owned and distributed the James Bond movies at the time. So there was definitely a an attempt yeah. to make this seem Bondian in a way. Yeah, um, for me. Not that you asked, but it doesn't matter. Uh, for me, this was one of those films that would show up on TV. Nah. And I think I may have even seen it younger than you did. And uh, that's actually the last time I saw it. I think the last time I saw it, I was visiting my grandparents, and I couldn't have been not even in junior high yet. And I remember it was on TV. Um, and I remember my sister and I thought it was hilarious. We used to laugh at it and, you know, oh, I get it. That's why they call him Ringo. No, it isn't. Um <laughs> Because, of course, he was Ringo long before this. I actually don't... Do you know why they call him Ringo? Yeah, he liked to wear rings. Ah. That was it. He liked big, flashy rings. Oh. Well, that is a funny story, and thank you for bringing it <laughs> to our attention. <laughs> um, you're, you're also a fan of the Beatles, aren't you, Max? I am. I very much am. I grew up with them. I still love them. Even though I discovered them sort of later than a lot of people my age did. But... Uh, I was like, because I would listen to them, and that was like, oh, that's mom and dad's music. Yeah, but yeah, I I, I grew up listening to them, and I still I still really like them. I, I my mother used to use she used one of the songs to explain to me what the difference was in how was it put style musical style. She would play these two versions of Yesterday. Oh right. One of them, of course, Paul McCartney, and the other one is Ray Charles. Right. And it's the same song, but it is not the same song. Yeah, no, it's totally it's, true. It, the contrast is amazing. They're both wonderful versions, but they're so different. It's really cool. But yeah, a, a lot. I gotta say, a lot of this movie has not aged well. Gee, really? Let's talk yeah. about one of those things real quick. Um, the very opening yeah. of the film. The first oh, note boy. note was at least the movie's not disrespectful or racist. Please note the heavy sarcasm there. Uh, wow. <sighs> I mean, never mind. Okay, first of all, it's a Kali cult. Sure. Head by headed by not, notable not Indian Leo McKern. Right. Who's probably best known as Rumpole of the Bailey. Yeah, or a small part in um, Lady Hawk, but uh, yeah, and a small part in King Lear with Laurence Olivier. Yeah. I mean, Leo McKern's been around a lot. He's very yes. distinctive. You you'd know him if you saw him. By the way, you know why he has that slightly odd expression all the time? He has a he he got a he lost his eye when he was fifteen. Oh, I didn't know that. Him he has and, a glass uh, eye. Him and Peter Falk. Huh. Yep. Huh. And uh, uh, just in, just to make it clear, he is not Indian. Okay, he is not from <laughs> India. He is very very English. And as are most of the people pretending to be Indian, there are a few. Yeah. Carl Bupta is in there, and a couple of others. And also, I, I can't help noticing they don't know how to pronounce Kali. No. They I don't keep know. saying Kylie. I wasn't sure if they were trying to do that so that they weren't saying the actual name or... But that was a Kali statue. I know. 
It's it's yeah, and of course they're talking about human sacrifice because yeah, haha, yeah. you know. And I, now here's the thing: there may very well be historical precedent for this a thousand years ago, but if the only exposure you're going to have to the Indian subcontinent is this, yeah. <laughs> it's not no, the, exactly. The Tucci cult was real, and they did kill people. Sure, I don't think they did the whole you know Kalima <laughs> thing. They would strangle people, and yeah. they would you know, rob them. Right. It's yeah. That was hundreds of years ago. Well, that's okay because later on, if you were worried that they were only going to insult one culture oh, of boy. people called Indians, then you're wrong because <laughs> oh. there will be later some UG and how stuff from the Beatles themselves. So yeah. at least, uh, and you thought Apu was insulting. So yeah. Um, so let's let's get the 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 blatant continual racism out of the way because after yes. that you can enjoy the movie. <laughs> Um, let's just glance over, and I do mean glancing blow over the acting, such as it is, because it's the Leo Beatles. Leo McKern is trying so hard. Yeah. He really is. He's given it his all. But John, Paul, George, and Ringo, <laughs> brilliant musicians, all of them. Yep. Great musicians. Yep. As actors... Great musicians. <laughs> Highest kites. They're, they're not actors. They never, no. and to be fair, they never pretended they were. No. They never thought they were actors. They never told people they were actors. No. And they're not. They can't act. Yeah. They, I don't know how they do it. They take four of the most dynamic, significant mu musical presences of the 1960s, and they make them dull. Well... It's funny because one of my notes was the Beatles seem really tired. They, I mean, That's clearly it's we know now because they were stoned. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they all seem exhausted. They're yeah. just they've got no energy. They're barely trying. Yeah, some of the dialogue is kind of funny when you can understand it. When you can hear and understand it, yes. I decided not to cheat and turn on the subtitles, yeah, but I, I, I was tempted because <laughs> it ain't easy. Um, it wasn't easy. <laughs> I was wondering, I was going to look into this until I got to the trivia and found out about the Weedly Deedly. I was going to look in because, you know, that this is right before the, the Beatles stopped playing live because they just couldn't take it anymore. And they were like, nobody uh. can hear us. And the ske <laughs> their schedule was nuts. I don't know anybody who does this. They were doing world tours and putting out two albums a year. It was unbelievable. <laughs> um, and... I can totally understand. I think it's in 1966. They just said, we've had enough. We're done. We are not playing live ever again. And as far yeah. as I know, the only time they broke that is when they played on top of the roof. And that's yeah. it. And even then, it's like there's it, no crowd. Um, I think it's mostly because people couldn't believe, oh, I can't be the Beatles. They haven't played in five years. That's not, it's not them. Um, <laughs> but so I thought they, I thought they were tired. <laughs> Apparently, they were tired of not having enough Weedly Deedly. Um, <laughs> I love how it's, they were like, oh, we were experimenting. We'd never had it before. Maybe they hadn't. Um, yeah, but maybe, yeah. they sure seemed to like to experiment. I'll say that. <laughs> Apparently, you could see their eyes were kind of red. I didn't notice that. I couldn't tell. Yeah. They didn't do enough real, that, that much close-up work. No. Um, I would also say that, um, and this will lead into other things, this is not the sort of thing I think you could get away with today. Mm -hmm. I don't think you could take a band or a top singer and just make a movie where they got to act zany for an hour and a half and it be anything. You mean like rock and roll high school? 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure that the Ramones were awake for that movie. I don't um, think they knew they were in a movie, quite honestly. Probably not. Too much riboflavin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and actually, you know what the hell? I'll bring this, this question up now. What is the point of this film? It's The point of this film is to have half a dozen Beatles songs for you to listen to. Okay. And watch them while they're playing. That's that's it. It's that you're there to see the Beatles. You're there to hear the music and uh, to watch them play it because it was very hard to get to see the shows. Well, and we know for a fact that they're not playing it because there's many scenes of them yeah. not playing it. Yeah, and some of the scenes are sup- look like they're supposed to be concert footage, or not concert footage, but looks like they're supposed to be playing, but there are a number that look like early music videos in that the song is playing and they're romping on the beach or, or ski- skiing or riding whatever those ski scooter things they yeah. were riding it's the only way you'll get are. me on skis <laughs> um apparently so some um, of that apparently they uh, did not know how to ski had never skied and the director richard there said um oh, we'll go practice and then of course threw them at a mountain and just filmed it <laughs> or at least part of it um so yeah um, also, this is sort of looping back to the the racism part. There's a term in this film that thankfully we have pretty much eradicated, except maybe when talking about rugs, and that is Oriental. Oh, uh, yeah. Because Oriental doesn't mean anything. No. <laughs> it's just uh, basically... They, say they approach the nearest Oriental. Yeah. And it's like, oh, if you go far, far enough east in Europe, you get to the Orient. It's over there. Yeah, and it just yeah. encompasses anything. I always thought Oriental had more to do with China, but in this case, nope. they they don't skip that whole big subcontinent, India, and they just decided it includes that too. So whatever. Um, and it's also I will say one of the things that is cool though is seeing the Beatles so painfully young. Ugh, I'm figuring they're, they're in their mid twenties. <laughs> if that, yeah. Um, fresh faced. Uh, I think the only one who shaves is Paul. And, uh, well, he's the only one who seems to have any kind of shadow. The rest of them are just like, you know, oh, he's so pink-cheeked. And, and it's, nice. it's odd. They, they also, Ringo is the most distinctive looking of them. <laughs> it's kind what of do you hard mean, Max? to tell. It's hard to tell the other three apart. I, 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 are you saying there's a certain feature of Ringo's that stands out? Well, yeah, that the, those big sad eyes... And the heavy brows, and yes, the nose. <laughs> He's got. He has. A, he has, as he says, a big neb. Yeah, I have to say too that um, his haircut is not exactly flattering. <laughs> no, that mop top looked. It worked okay for John, and I guess for Paul, it doesn't work. It doesn't do Ringo any favors. You know who it worked for? Dorothy Hamill. That's who it <laughs> worked for. It did not work for the. Well, yeah, his is just especially not flattering. It's funny also just to see John Lennon without his glasses. That's, you know, because that was such a thing, a symbol of his in later years, which I assume he got because his eyes got worse. Well, it's funny too, because I, that was a piece of trivia I left out. Those little granny glasses. Everyone yeah. thought their first appearance was, I think is on the cover of Rolling Stone and his helmet and everything. Actually, yeah. the first appearance of the glasses is this film. He does wear really? them briefly once. Oh, yeah. okay. So first appearance of the glasses. Um, we'll get the origin story later. And then they, of course, become a superhero. And <laughs> um, did you catch the Mr. Whippy truck? <laughs> Yes. Yippee! It's Mr. Whippy. Um, turn out that was not made up for the movie. That's actually a brand no, of that, ice cream. That's a real ice cream truck. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Whippy. Some of it, like I was, I find it kind of interesting. 
like I said, this is sort of proto-music video in some ways. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, they really don't know what they're doing. The whole, yes. the sequ there's a sequence where they do, Hey, You've Got to Hide Your Love Away, great right. song. Mm -hmm. They're just singing it in their apartment. And the woman who has come to help them, Ame, who has betrayed the Thuji cult for no apparent reason. Thuggy. I've heard Thuji. That's where we get the word thug. Yeah, yeah, but it, that's because of the mispronunciation. Never heard it pronounced so anything but thuggy, but that's okay. During the whole song, she's just sitting on the couch next to Paul, and she's got this, um, so should I just sit here? <laughs> Book. And she glances over at them occasionally. It's like, am I supposed to be enjoying this? Should I be staring adoringly at Paul? Well, yeah, he's the cute one. That's Yeah, they, they try to sort of emphasize that, and then they just sort of forget every so often. But yes, Paul, you know, they all had their roles, just like a lot of the boy bands of the 2000s did. What was it? Paul was the cute one. George was the shy one. No, Ringo George was, was the, the quiet fun. one. Was he the quiet, well, yeah. quieter shy? John was the smart one. Ringo smart was one. The, fun, the funny one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Smart one. Hmm. Oh, yeah, John was the smart one. He was supposed to be the brains. Hmm. Probably not wrong. John was ver John Lennon was very smart. I think all of them kind of were, at least eventually. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't. Yeah. There's so much written and so much done about they're, the they're, Beatles uh, that it's. That's the one thing. That's my only major problem with the Beatles is that they are so overplayed, and it's really hard to get a quiet moment where you can just appreciate them without the baggage. And there's a lot of baggage. There is a lot. Yeah, and we'll be, we'll be actually scrutinizing <laughs> some of that baggage in this series, <laughs> so you don't have to. Um, there's one word that I would say that um, exemplifies the overall feeling of this film. Can you guess what that film might that, that word might be? Beatlerific? No. Okay, then no. Zany. Uh, yes, they are very, very trying to be zany. Yes, and if this was a different band, you might even use the word monkey shine, but of course... You wouldn't, because they're Beatles and they don't do that. Yeah. I don't think that this is a film for me that I get the same way as I did when I was a kid. I will say that. And it's weird, because I remember as a kid just laughing my ass off and thinking it was hilarious. Did you laugh your ass off at any point? <laughs> during, this during this version? Yes. There were a couple of bits I thought are kind of cute. I like the fact that when Ringo is cornered by a tiger, the police officer immediately explains what the tiger is doing. I have in my notes, thank you, officer exposition. <laughs> and, and the way to calm the tiger down is to get the entire pub to start singing Beethoven's Ode to Joy from the Ninth Symphony. And the fact that the entire pub knows the song, I thought was cute. And then they have an entire soccer stadium singing along. I'm sorry, why do you think that's funny? I just thought it was cute. But it's because true. Because it's so out of place. But it's is, true. That singing the Ode to Joy will make a tiger relax. You didn't know that? It I has to actually not. do with the, the different <laughs> tones and the way they relate to each other. Uh, yeah, that I actually causes... <laughs> I think you're lying, Grandpa. <laughs> no, seriously. Don't go to tiger.com. Because uh -huh. I have no idea what's there. So, so remember, dirty. folks, what you should do is climb into the tiger pit at the zoo <laughs> yeah. and sing the Ode to Joy. Yeah. <laughs> well, you should nope, sing it Please do first. not climb into the tiger pit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Max Mike Movies will yeah. not, in fact, be responsible <laughs> for anybody climbing into tiger pits. That You know, that and... Leo McKern tries to be... He, he's kind of funny a couple of times. Yeah. Um, I, I do we, kind of like, you know, 
take this hastily scribbled note hastily. <laughs> yeah. We still don't have any idea exactly what the point of the cult is. We don't know. No, what the we have no idea. We just know you're supposed to do it. And what's supposed to happen is every day somebody's chosen somehow. They're yeah. wearing this nifty ring. They get painted this, red. Which looks like a ring pop. I'm sorry. Or grandma's doorknob. Yeah. Um, and then you get painted red and sacrificed on the table of sacrificing, which um, at the end of the film, they have flown all the way from India. <laughs> yeah, apparently this entire temple is portable. Yeah. Well, they put the statue out in the water, so who knows? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm giving something away, but oh, magically the ring finally comes off when Ringo shows a bit of courage, <sighs> I guess. And um, at first... Ame, is that her name? Ami? Yeah. Ame. Ame. Uh, picks up the ring and then quickly realizes what a horrible mistake she's made and gives it to uh, Klang. His name is Klang. Ah, yes. Very classic Hindu name. Yeah. Klang. Klang. Uh, who then realizes, of course, that, oh, gee, having the ring and being sacrificed isn't such a big honor and hilarity uh-huh. ensues on the beach in the Bahamas. I also have to say, one of the messages of this film that There's I took away... Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay. That the Bahamian police are much more effective than the London police. Yes. Because the London police in this movie are absolutely useless, but the Bahama, the police in the Bahamas with their cute little white helmets <laughs> capture most of the thugs. Yeah. They get away, but they capture them. Yeah, there's that cute little bit at the airport where they're having the inspector from Scotland Yard meet all of the policemen from the local bah- Bahamian, I don't know, yeah, police Bahamian. force. And they, when he meets one and moves to the next, the one he had just talked to scoots around back so it looks like they have this giant force when, in fact, there's three guys. Yeah. Um, that, that's cute. Uh, also, you yeah, may have caught, yeah. speaking of um, Scotland Yard, there's actually a, a big dig at them that John makes. Oh, yeah, the, about uh, the great train saying, yes, yes, he's saying, yes, we always get our man. Yeah, how's it going on the great train robbery, eh? Yeah, see, I didn't know. I thought they were talking yeah. about the one, like, back from, you know, the turn of the century where they had a silent film made out of it, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. no, apparently this was something only, like, two yeah. years before the film was released. And it was, like, the British mail train and the people who robbed it uh, they actually didn't know this. There was over two million pounds <laughs> worth of cash on the train, and they weren't ready for it. They no. couldn't carry it, so, so they, they started threw throwing it. it out the train. Yep, and they and, wouldn't they wouldn't be caught till nineteen sixty eight. So yeah, and then and there's this just there are some kind of as you say zany moments at the very end. You see that the film is dedicated to Elias Howe, the inventor <laughs> of the sewing machine, right? For no reason. And the closing credits are done from the music of the overture of the Barber of Seville. Yeah, which of course I... Sure. Do you have flashbacks whenever you hear that song? Every time to Bugs Bunny. (laughs) Every time. That was my introduction to the Barber of Seville. Yep. Yep. That's the only reason I know it is because the Bunny of Seville, but whatever. Yep. Yep. Uh, Did did the film, seeing it again, I don't know when the last time you saw it was, but uh, I'm guessing not recently. Did the film make you feel nostalgic at all? A little bit. Yeah. It it reminded me that you know when I was a, when in simpler times and my brain was simpler <laughs> I'm sure I enjoyed it a lot more and also just the style of the way it's shot and the way it presents the Beatles especially when they're just doing the songs when they're standing there singing and playing their instruments well the the way they do it the way they play they you can't do that anymore because they just stand there and play their music. Yeah. They don't dance. They don't gyrate. 
There's no special effects. There's no explosions or freaky lights. It's just, hi, here we are. Here's the song. Yeah. Well, you know why they're doing that, Max? Um, no. They're trying to cover for the fact that they have no skill in pyrotechnics and no skill uh, in leaping about on wires. See, they're just they're just compensating, uh, Max. It's, sure. It's, I'm that, sorry that, that you mu- fell for that. I, I, they they t- they took me in. I just thought they were great musicians. That's all. Yeah. yeah Even though skills. yes, I I know technically Ringo was a mediocre drummer. Uh, he, you know, but I, however, he was a really good keyboard player. He had a great voice, and he was a decent songwriter. From what I understand, I have read arguments back and forth on this that a lot of people are like, oh yeah, he's a very uninteresting drummer. He was me- adequate, is the word yeah, I he's... heard most. And I hear a lot of people say, for the Beatles, he was about the perfect drummer because he uh-huh. wasn't overpowering. He was. He's exactly what they needed. He did the job. He got it done. And apparently, of all the That's Beatles, fair. he was the easiest to get along with. Like That's what I've also heard. He was the he had the least of an ego problem. He was just like, yeah, whatever, man. We'll just do it. And apparently today he's all like, peace, man. He's the only one who seems to have retained any of that '60s hippie stuff. It's like apparently he really went for it and believed it, and he's still. Apparently, he's just like, yeah, whatever, whatever, weedly deedly, whatever. <laughs> well, that's more Paul McCartney, but yeah, I, I can't. Yeah, oh, that's right. Ringo is um, um, Wacko Warner. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank God we had Ringo Starr. Otherwise, we wouldn't have had Wacko Warner. He still influences our culture today. Some of the way they, they handle the comedy is very odd, and it's very British. Mm. They stretch things out a lot. There is this odd sequence. It doesn't matter why. The, the army is protecting the Beatles, and they're hiding in a tank, and the cult blows up the tank. And there is this really lengthy segment of them celebrating that they've blown up the tank. And this is so English. Yeah. You you see it in Benny Hill. You (laughs) see it in uh, the two Ronnies and the Goon Show. They stretch these things out. And honestly, for at least an American audience, it goes way too long. It doesn't need to be that long. I found that going on too long is kind of a british tradition uh, yeah uh, especially when it comes to their science fiction films um they tend to be very drawn out zardoz yeah, um, yeah. there's doctor a, who doctor uh, space the old ones anyway yeah yeah um there's nothing often sadly there's nothing that more boring than a british science fiction film because they're very serious and they're very ponderous and they just take forever um the they cl- try for I was going to say the clips in this are actually pretty generally pretty quick. Yeah. And I'm going to say that your mentioning of Benny Hill probably has a lot to do with that. Yeah. Uh, and the sped up, they speed things up occasionally and stuff. But they yeah, do so. some of they do some of that. They also some of the shticks they're interesting ideas but they don't go anywhere. Some of it looks like it's supposed to be cute. Like this is a 96 minute movie. They have an intermission. <laughs> This thing appears, you know, part one, part two, very, intermission, all of which takes place in like eight seconds. And suddenly you're back in the movie. And for some reason, don't ask why, Paul gets shrunk down to like an inch tall. And they have a thing, the exciting adventure of Paul on the floor. Right. Which involves him naked, hiding in an ashtray. He was wearing flesh-colored undies. So thankfully, yeah. we didn't see little Paul, didn't as you like to put Paul, it. see little Paul, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a very odd sequence. You could, it's like, okay, this could be funny, and then they do nothing with it. It goes nowhere. No, he gets splashed with orange juice or something. 
Yeah, that that's about it. Yeah, uh, and, and just some of the, there's a shtick. They're in Buckingham Palace. That was Buckingham Palace, by the way. Huh. And that's it. <laughs> they just happened to be. It's like, oh, look at this. What a Buckingham Palace. Yeah. Uh, all right. You're not going to do anything else with that. Okay. Uh, maybe the queen wouldn't let them. Uh, I think maybe. The most amazing thing is the queen that was queen then is still the queen now. <laughs> Somehow she's still going. And, you know, good for her. Queen Betty, still on the throne. God save her. Betty Windsor. Yeah. Uh, now, do you think if you were somebody who somehow, and I don't even know if this is humanly possible, had never heard of the Beatles, that this film would give you a good introduction to them? I don't. I really don't <laughs> think so. What do you think uh, it would tell you about the Beatles if you'd never heard of them? It would confuse me a great deal because I'd be sitting there going, wow, why is this movie not just them singing? Why are they trying to throw all this other stuff in? No, I, I, I don't think it would be much of an introduction. So like you I, said, I think you, th we'll, you think it's for the for fans who couldn't get enough of the Beatles? I think that was. I think it was fa for fans who said, hey, we want to see the Beatles and we want to see them do wacky stuff. Yes. Or, we want to see them do more than they normally do. I think you meant zany. Zany <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty much uh, what we've got. Uh, we could get to the end because we don't have yeah. little, little questions for this series. Yeah, no. Um, I don't couldn't think of any could obviously you couldn't if we think of more qu questions or if you think of questions you can email us at the usual yep. way and we'll tell you that in a minute but uh i guess we'll get to the wrap-up yeah the roundup so max yeah we know you loved this as a child and trusted as a mother but <laughs> uh have you seen it recently before watching it for this no, show i haven't seen it in at least 20 30 years yeah and um so what do you think I don't think it holds up. No. I'm sorry. I think it's fascinating as a historical artifact. I think it's fun to see them as basically children. Uh, and I do still like... It, it's. I re, this is the exact opposite of the way I was when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I liked the zany, silly things, and I was like, oh, another song. Gosh, I gotta sit through that. <laughs> now, it, And now it's like... Uh, more of the zany antics. When can we have another song? <laughs> Could the yep. Beatles get out of the way so I can watch the story? Christ. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I want to see the funny guys try to strangle people some more and put people in soup pots. Yeah. Well, so, so I, I don't, there are parts I can see would be cute, but it really, a lot of the humor is very inappropriate now, and I don't think it's held up well at all. How about you? I probably haven't seen it in longer period of time. Like, again, I'm thinking the 70s is the last time I saw this. And it was uh -huh. on TV. Like, Yellow Submarine yeah. would show up, like, once a yeah. year. And you'd watch it as a kid, and you'd lo love it. And in a way, I think it speaks more about us, or at least me, as a viewing audience. Is there a singular for audience? Audion? Audience audion. member? <laughs> I'll go yeah. with audion. I just made that up. No, you. one person can be an audience. Oh. I like audion. Anyway, uh... I've changed so much that I don't think I can appreciate this film. Now, I don't remember the racist parts. I did not remember them at all. And it's yeah. the first thing the film opens up with, we're from India. Oh, dear gods. Okay. No, you're um, not. <laughs> the only thing I can say is that Leo McKern, if anything, and I don't even sure they did this, if anything, is slightly tan. They didn't slather on shoe polish. I said, yeah. I'll give them that. That's about all I'll give them. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just <laughs> the obliviousness with which the Indian people are treated in this film is so indicative of the times. And you're right, it's a very good record. It's like, hey, this is how Britain treated it's other cultures. very, very British. <laughs> yeah, uh, at the time. The Beatles, too, as I said, I don't think you could do this today because it almost feels like an ego product, you know, and or a project that's just, look how wonderful we are. And, of course, we're... Some of the stuff we've learned about the Beatles was that that wasn't really their choice. They were like, you have to do this because you signed, you know, you didn't sign with yeah. Colonel Parker, but you came close. Yeah. Um, and you're required to do these things. And they obviously coped the best way they could. They got high. Um, quite honestly, I'd probably have done the same thing. But let's face it. There's nothing less funny than being the one straight guy in a room watching a bunch of other people high off their ass. It's generally just... yeah. Not particularly funny. Um, I actually wish I had known that ahead of time. I actually might have found it more funny. Notes, oh my god, look how high they are, or <laughs> had known and I might have indulged myself. I don't know. Um, the music is nice. I got to give it that. But yeah. we've heard it. It's not like there were special versions of the songs done for the movie. It's just. It's. I also have to say, it is not my favorite m musical period of the Beatles. It's the early no. stuff. It's the I want to hold your hand, right. you lose that girl. It's, we haven't gotten to the more interesting yet. We haven't gotten to yesterday no. and yeah, uh, uh, in my life and Sergeant Pepper and the, the more experimental, out there, daring things they did. Yeah, they're still doing the "Oh Nameless Woman, I'm So in Love with You" songs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, same here. Uh, and I think the sad thing is, is that the reason. The only reason they would agree to making this film is that they hadn't got to that interesting part. The part where they would just basically go, I'm not, no, that, no, we're not doing that. No. <laughs> so, eh, whatever. So the music's nice. Um, my recommendation is buy a nice Beatles album. Listen to that. <laughs> I'm sure there was a help yeah. album uh, that had all the songs Probably. in here. Um, you've heard them all. There's nothing new here. Uh, it is nice seeing... It was a really nice print. I don't know where you watched it, but it was obvious that they had done some restoration to it, and the print mm -hmm. itself looked gorgeous. It was gorgeous. very clean. It's a very clean old man. Yeah. And, you know, the, the lads, of course, were, were missing half of them. The ones that are left have aged, as everyone does, because they're like 80 now. They're old. And they're I about 900 that. years old, yes. But they're so, aging pretty well. Not their best moment. Um, I'm sure it sold a bunch of records, and really that's all that counts, isn't it? But... Um, yeah. Uh, let's go over our, our, our uh, poll question so that people might know what it is and how they can answer it, shall we? Why don't we? We're asking, what subject matter do you think is most lacking in the movie theaters today? Or what area do you think Hollywood hasn't explored enough? Let us know, and you can do so in the following manners, or ways, or... Methods. Yes. All right, so first you can email us directly at our email address, which is us at maxmikemovies.com which suggests a website hey we have a website it's only been 188 episodes i'm sure you've never found it by now but in case you don't know it is in fact maxmikemovies.com where you can leave comments and hey if you have comments about other series you'd like to see us do or even single films we might even be able to build a series on a single film you never know um recently we did have one from the snowman so thank you snowman um but yeah leave comments about that show or potential other shows or if you want to correct us in a couple of things like for the fact that apparently um william daniels is in fact not dead so we still 
still have a possibility of him doing a uh, a Knight Rider reunion film. Oh please, oh please, oh please, oh please. Ninety four. Um, wow. Wow. Well, yeah. but yeah, but unfortunately, David Hasselhoff is dead. Is he? Well, professionally. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're dissing the Hoff. Uh, I am hassling the Hoff, yes. Speaking of dissing dissing the Hoff, you can also find us on social media. (laughs) What Uh, does that have to do with dissing the Hoff? That's where you would do it. You would diss the Hoff on (laughs) social media. See, I totally connected that. You you can find us on Twitter. Hey, you could be number seven. Uh, (laughs) You can find us on Twitter (laughs) and on Facebook as Max Mike Movies. And last but not least, if you have a favorite podcast app, we're probably there. But remember, nobody wants you to use Spotify. Except them. But next week, we're going to continue with the Fab Four. And how are we going to continue with the Fab Four? Max, do let us know. We are going to watch one of the earliest documentaries about the lads from Liverpool. Good old Frida. Oh, now, I should say we are going to try to watch it because <laughs> this this movie... Narrated by the great Malcolm McDowell. Good old Frida. Ooh. My little, yes, that's right. Uh, my little droogies. You know, the uh, Beatles are a fire in which we all burn. <laughs> <laughs> so much punching is coming your way. Uh, yes, however, this movie is remarkably hard to watch. It, not like because it's so bad, but it's hard to find. Good old Frida. It's not on any of the streaming services. It's not around... I believe we have been able, Mike managed to find a copy on the Internet Archive. Good old Frida. We're, we're going to try. We're going to see how this works. If not, next week's show is going to be very short. <laughs> not entirely unlike this one. So, yep. if you want the whole story, the complete story. Yes. Good old Frida. The complete story of the Beatles. Join us next week, won't you? Yep. Thank you. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. It's okay, Max. I don't think anyone will notice that we had to change the movie at the last second.